At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. It's time for the Los Angeles CityCast. Hi, everybody, and a very pleasant good afternoon or morning to you, wherever you may be. And that, of course, is my take on the famous Vin Scully intro. And unfortunately, we lost Vin Scully after a beautiful 94 years of life on this earth. My goodness. Uh, an unbelievable loss to the Dodgers organization and to baseball overall. But man, what an incredible legacy he left behind and so many memories that I'm sure everybody has a Vince Scully memory or two or ten. So uh, really, really sad, but just an incredible, incredible broadcaster. So shout out to Vin, of course. And uh, I'm really excited to get into this pod because some things have actually changed for the Dodgers and also... Uh, for the Angels, unfortunately for the Angels, for the worse. And as far as the WNBA is concerned, I extended my heater a little bit, went 10-0 and in my last uh, 10 bets until I decided, let me bet a fun four-leg parlay for the four games on Tuesday night. thought this will be fun. And it came down to the final game, and it came down to the final seconds of the final game. So nailed it on the fun part. Very, very fun. It was plus 475. But the Wings did end up beating the Chicago Sky. The Wings were without Arike Ugumbuale, by the way. And this is only the third time the Sky have lost at home this season. So they kept it so close. They gave me a lot of hope. Almost hit the plus 475. We all know what that feels like to hit uh, a four-leg, a longer parlay, if you will. Uh, Not that 475 is out of control for a parlay necessarily. But nevertheless, it was fun. It was fun while it lasted, that 10-0 streak. But... That is okay. Regression is coming, I'm sure, and we'll get into the WNBA games later on in the show. Before we get there, uh, 
We're going to talk about the Dodgers and the Angels, and then welcome in our guest for the day, Mike Regalado, UCLA beat writer for Bruin Report Online and producer of the What's Bruin show. Does a great job with both, and he'll be here to discuss Pac-12 football and specifically UCLA, as expected. You can find him on Twitter at Mike Regalado LA. Then we will get into the WNBA Wednesday games preview. I was going to preview the Thursday games too, but I wanted to just focus in on these Wednesday games for now. And then, of course, you can always follow me on Twitter at Danielle Alvar if you want to see what. I'm betting. I don't ever recommend that people just blindly tail bets, but if that's your thing and that's what you're looking to do, then do whatever you enjoy. Absolutely. I'm not your mother. Let's talk about baseball. Before we talk about the Dodgers, the Padres brought in Juan Soto. Oh, let's talk about the odds. Hello. Hello. Local Los Angeles odds. Before we get into baseball, the Rams and the Chargers in preseason going on August 13th. Those odds are up at Bet Rivers. You can bet on NFL preseason, if that's your bag. That's not my bag, but here are the odds if you want it. The Rams plus two and a half. Plus two and a half. The Chargers laying two and a half. And the money line for the Chargers minus 152. Money line for the Rams plus 125. Total sitting at 31 and a half. So we all know how NFL preseason goes. And if you don't, you probably shouldn't be betting on it. So there it is if you want it, if you're into it. Other than that, the Dodgers at the Giants on a Wednesday. Dodgers minus 157 on the money line. Giants plus 135. And oddly enough for me too, small personal sidetrack, my dad was actually at the Dodgers-Giants game in the Bay Area where I am originally from on Tuesday evening. And I texted him the moment I saw on Twitter that Vince Scully had passed because he grew up in Santa Barbara watching Dodgers games and just very much that was his team. And... So I knew that it would it would be especially poignant for him. So texted him not just, oh my God, did you see this? And I didn't know he was at the game. And he said, that's so fitting because I'm at the Dodgers-Giants game tonight. So I just thought, wow, the magic of baseball. Uh, that said, Dodgers are at Giants again on Wednesday night. And the Dodgers for on the mound on Wednesday, supposedly, we're going to see Julio Urias. That's who's slated here, left-handed pitcher. 2.71 on his ERA right now, 0.98 on the whip. Keeps it tight. Love that for Julio. And then Alex Cobb, righty for the Giants, 4.06 ERA and a 1.28 whip. As for the Angels, uh, they've essentially given up, right? I think we can agree. Uh, unfortunately, they are hosting the Oakland A's, nevertheless. Uh, James Caprillion on the mound for the A's, a righty pitcher against the lone bright spot. Sorry, Mike Trout. He's, he's hurt right now. Uh, the lone bright spot, at least for right now, on the Angels roster, Shohei Otani. Shohei right now, 2.81 ERA, 1.02 whip. Uh, 9-6 on the win-loss for Shohei this year, which is just illustrating the hellhole that he is in. Please, someone save Shohei. But he is on the mound on Wednesday. And so if you're looking for a time to bet on your beloved Angels, perhaps it is when Shohei's on the mound. And perhaps it's just a first five. Maybe we just do that. Now, let's talk more about baseball. And uh, like I mentioned before I just jumped uh, jumped ahead too quickly there into skipping over the odds, the Padres, Juan Soto, they get him. So now you could say the Padres have, what, the best shortstop, Fernando Tatis Jr., of course, has to come back, has to be healthy. One of the best, if not the best, third baseman in Manny Machado, best outfielder in Soto, and also landed Josh Hader, Really good closer. And Brandon Drury, 20 homers for him so far. So all of a sudden, the Padres look kind of scary, but the Dodgers are still the Dodgers. Now, what did they do with the trade deadline? Uh, Joey Gallo, 
So the Yankees traded Joey Gallo to the Dodgers in exchange for right-hander Clayton Beater, so a pitching prospect who's the number 15 prospect in the organization. And now the Dodgers are getting Joey Gallo, who, if you haven't been following the beautiful and lovely New York City cast that is hosted by our Will Hill, from also from VEASAN and Bet Rivers, Joey Gallo was having a rough time with the Yankees. He was booed repeatedly by fans at Yankee Stadium, and he gave kind of a sad interview after you know, news of this trade was coming into effect and just his time in New York and how he doesn't even like to go outside because he just, he doesn't feel like he's going to be treated well. And it's, it's really, really sad. So uh, he is a two-time All-Star. He just had this nightmare season with the Yankees, 0.159 padding average with 12 homers. He's known for that power, but hasn't been able to get into that. His average exit velocity this season, 88.4 miles per hour. Um, the lowest, by the way, if you're looking for a point of reference, that's his lowest since the 2016 season when he only played 17 games. And he's only 28 years old. So you want to believe that that, you know, two-time all-star power is in there. I remember watching him, I believe, in the Home Run Derby recently. So in the last few years. So maybe it was two years ago. You want to believe that's there and that this is a great pickup by the Dodgers and that this can also help Joey get back on track. Because you, you have to, when you read the interview of him leaving, you got to feel a little bit bad for the guy, maybe. But now he has a chance to win a World Series ring before heading out into free agency this offseason. So, fresh start. Uh, the LA Sun should do him some good. We're really happy for Mr. Gallo. And some other notes, just of the Dodgers, just Dodgers excellence in general. I saw these couple tweets that I thought were really interesting stats, if you will. Trey Turner, Mr. Consistency. Since the beginning of 2021, there have been eight hitting streaks in the majors of at least 20 games. 20 game hitting streaks. Trey Turner has three of them. Three of the eight since 2021. So we love that for him. Love consistency. Show up for your people. And then Mookie Betts, 24 home runs this season, which is officially his most in a season with the Dodgers, which sounds egregiously low. His career high is actually 32, but most with uh, the Dodgers organization and hoping to grow that even further. If we talk about what the Angels were doing at the trade deadline, mm, nothing exciting, at least not if you're an Angels fan, unless you were just like, yeah, please end this. Just put us out of our misery at this point. So Noah Syndergaard out of there. Phillies announced on Tuesday that they acquired uh, the right-hander, Noah Syndergaard, and outfielder Brandon Marsh in separate deals with the Angels. So Noah's gone, Brandon Marsh gone, which is so weird because I feel like we were just hearing Joe Madden, who's also been let go this season, talk about how they were such integral pieces, really. And then also their closer, Rizel Iglesias, traded away to the Braves. Iglesias just signed a four-year deal, was supposed to become the center of this bullpen, but we saw how that went for this season. And I think that Iglesias was a little upset as well. He was hoping to finish out his contract here in LA, understandably so. But off to the Braves and the Angels, just no surprise there, ended up being sellers. And uh, not though, of the beloved Shohei Otani. Again, him in action on Wednesday, if you want to at least watch that one bright spot. And with that, let's welcome in our guest, Mike Regalado. You can find him on Twitter at Mike Regalado LA, UCLA beat writer for Bruin Report Online and producer of the What's Bruin show as well. You can catch him there. Mike, how are you doing, man? I haven't heard from you in so long. Good. How are you doing? I'm ready for football season, ready or not. Here oh, it comes. Yeah. Yeah, it's, been a, it's been a long summer, but... It's August already. We we have football in a few weeks. This is great. 
Yeah, I, I can't even believe it. And I don't know what to make of this UCLA Bruins team in some regards, because obviously we lost a lot of players to the transfer portal, brought a lot of really big impact transfer players in, I believe. But it's going to be interesting to see what this team actually looks like when all is said and done. Mm. Before we get into the UCLA specifics, I know I sent these odds over to you earlier, the Pac-12 conference winner odds over at Bat Rivers. USC the favorite to win at 2-1. to one. Utah is plus 240, Oregon at plus 250, Washington 10 to 1, and UCLA 10 to 1. I said this before. Tell me if you agree. UCLA is the best value on that board at 10 to 1. What do you think? Oh, I definitely think so. Them or Utah, just because a lot of people are picking Utah as the overall favorite. But mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people are also picking UCLA as a dark horse. So that doesn't seem like a you know a bad bet. You know, I'm not I'm not the betting person. You're the expert, but it seems like <laughs> Yeah, that one, I'd, I'd put some money on that one. That one seems uh, fairly logical. Um, the one that is a head-scratcher, and it's weird because I've talked to USC reporters, uh, you know, the, the uh, poll came out last week, and USC was picked third, but there were five people picked them for first place. And one of the reporters I talked to was like, okay, look, I, I'm all for the hype, but that's just ridiculous. You know, maybe in a few years, but this year, it's going to take some time. Uh, that seems like a bad bet for me. Um, but yeah, no, you're right about uh, UCLA. I mean, especially with this schedule and especially with some of the other um, bets that, that uh, you sent me. Uh, yeah, that seems like a... Uh, sorry, I got a fly coming in here. Uh, that, that seems <laughs> like, that, like, like a solid bet. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I'm just saying value-wise, it seems like UCLA should be at 10 to 1. I'm surprised to see Washington at the same odds as UCLA. Are you? Mm. Yeah, a little bit. That one, uh, yeah, I don't know about that. They they have a lot of turnover right now. Uh, but, hey, who cares about turnover? USC is getting picked to uh, win the conference. So, it's, you know, it's... USC is also sitting at 20-1 to 1 on Bet Rivers to win the championship. Like, not just the Pac-12. That's insane. If you want to throw your money away. Look, look I'm, I'm, saying. I'm saying the same thing, too. And this isn't just me just trying to be a homer. Like, right now... I feel that UCLA and USC are pretty much this are, are, are at the same spot. They got two really good offensive coordinators slash head coaches. They have two really they have a really good running back, quarterback. Uh, they're all, both offensive lines are, mm, and the defense has question marks. So I honestly mm -hmm. think that they're both in the same boat right now until they prove otherwise. But uh, you know, I think we might see. I'm just. Mostly looking at the schedule, UCLA has a much easier schedule. So if UCLA comes out above USC, that's not going to shock me. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, and to your point about the question marks on defense, we know that USC, USC uh, was a dumpster fire overall last year. So I'm interested to see what improvements. We keep hearing about all these... Uh, talent that has been recruited to this program, but it's not really on the defensive side of the ball so much. And no. for UCLA, the rushing defense was stellar last year, really, only behind mm -hmm. Utah, I believe. Mm -hmm. But the, I mean, the passing game defense was just horrendous. So do you think that UCLA has added enough in that area to kind of bolster that passing defense? You know, I hope so too. And I think just from what I saw in spring with what mm -hmm. uh, new defensive coordinator Bill McGovern is bringing, it's not as chaotic although i like the chaotic pass rush from everybody last season <laughs> but i think that did hurt the the uh secondary a bit i think the secondary is going to be a little better i'm not going to say that they're going to be you know they're the other worldly changes are made 
you know, you got a guy like Azizi Hearn who already was, you know, cracking the starting lineup. Um, but they, they still have to prove themselves. There's still a lot that they need to do. Um, and you're right about the, uh, the run defense. And I try to tell this to UCLA fans. Uh, you know, and you get pushed back for everything. Hey, UCLA did something good. Yeah, but they did this badly. It's like, oh, my God. Mike, they've been hurt for years. They've been hurt for years. You understand. <laughs> oh, I totally understand. But, um, you know, it's stuff like you bring up, you know, that's one thing on the defense that has been uh, getting better every single year. And you mm -hmm. see that uh, UCLA's rush defense has was uh, the best it's been under Chip Kelly. And people are like, well, of course, it's, it's been good because people uh, pass on them rather than run. True. But when you look at uh, yards per carry, when you look at it on, you know, uh, play-by-play, play, they have done really well. And a lot of that, I believe, uh, had to do with the uh, the pass rush, which, like I said, I mean, you guys, you got guys like Quantrez Knight, who was basically like a uh, uh, makeshift cornerback that, that played on blind. Uh, you don't have that anymore, and it doesn't seem like there's going to be that striker position. Uh, and UCLA is going to have a more natural nickelback position. Uh, mm. So if they can get pressure alone uh, on the line, especially with guys like uh, the Murphy twins who are looking really good. Uh, yeah. That, that I Texas, think is right from Texas. Yeah. I, I think they are going to make a huge difference. And I saw this several times, you know, they mixed up the defensive line uh, rotations quite a bit, but whenever the Murphy twins were on one side and Carl Jones was on the other, they wreaked havoc. So whenever you see that, you know, I'm, I'm that, that, I think there's going to be uh, some good stuff done on defense when you have uh, those three on the line. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I, I'm, I'm optimistic that UCLA's defense will take some steps forward. I really don't know what to expect from USC's, honestly. So we're going to see how that – they're going to have to boat race teams. We know that their offense is going to be mm -hmm. prolific. Mm -hmm. uh, I just recently was reviewing UCLA versus USC skill players specifically, and I'm a little bit – concerned with UCLA maybe just because it seems like USC has all these new shiny toys they only lost really Drake London would be the biggest loss for them obviously who they lost mid-season last year really mm -hmm. but added so much Jordan Addison Mario Williams Travis Dye Austin Jones just to name a few and then when I look at UCLA side of things we lost Kyle Phillips and Greg Dulcich obviously off to the NFL good reasons uh, we at least get DTR back at quarterback he's got some new options Chase Cota being gone makes me sad but at least we have Zach Charbonnet returning so that duo is still intact are we going to see more of Casimir Allen you think I mean Britton Brown is also done too unfortunately yeah I mean those were all guys that you could definitely rely on Britton Brown yeah. I mean the guy you know he averaged averaged for the season over six yards per carry that is amazing they're gonna feel that loss oh man um but yeah you still have Zach Charbonnet uh you know big game boomer they've uh been putting out a lot of really interesting uh you know conversation where the uh, polls and they had you know, who was the best QB-RB duo? And Charbonnet and Dorian Thompson-Robinson were number three in the nation, I think it was. So oh, that wow. was that was pretty uh, cool. So, um, But, yeah, you're, you're missing guys like Dulcich, who was amazing. Uh, Phillips, as you said. Uh, you know, how is Jake have Bobo seen, going to do? Uh, you know, yeah, have there's, you seen there's from the tight end position? Sorry to interrupt you. I'm just wondering, as we're talking about Dulcich, I, I know that that's something that Chip Kelly loves to run is through a nice, solid tight end. Do you think we're going to see more from Michael Ezekiel? I think I'm pronouncing that right, the senior, because I'm, at the tight end position, I feel like we're a little bit thin. You, you know, it's I, I just what I've seen in the last few years, especially with um, uh, 
how Chip Kelly develops the tight ends and his usage of tight ends, I yes. think we're, we're just going to see another guy, you know, uh, step in, step forward. I mean, the fact that yeah. we were talking about Hudson Habermill, you know, who's a walk on, <laughs> uh, we were talking about him getting a lot of catches uh, in spring. It just shows what uh, the, the arsenal they have and yeah. how they develop. Uh, but Michael Martinez is, should be coming back. And, okay. um, uh, it's going to be uh, interesting to see um, how he, you know, how, how I'm going to say, how healthy he is, how, mm-hmm. you know, how close to 100% he is, and if he can, you know, once again be a huge blocking tight end. We've had, you know, a lot of uh, receiving tight ends, you know, Dulcich, uh, Wilson, uh, you know, the last few years, you know, just guys that can get out into space and, and get extra yards. Uh, but yeah, I think we'll be able to see Ezekiel do that. Uh, but yeah, they have a they have a handful of players that 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 can step up, and I will not be surprised if we start hearing midseason, you know, like Martinez or Ezeki, you know, for the uh, uh, for the midseason Mackey Award or something like that. So um, I'm I'd not love to hear really... more. I'd love to see more Casimir Allen as well. You brought a Casimir, yeah. You know, I think yeah. he's going to be uh, that uh, kind of. I think he's going to have that role similar to what Dimitri Felton had a few years ago, where he can run out of the back or he can, you know, slip into the slot and, you know, uh, catch a few balls. So I think he's going to be a major factor as well. Yeah. And we talked about Zach Charbonnet, obviously over 1,100 rushing yards last year, 13 mm-hmm. touchdowns last season. So that's a solid, solid connection for him. But then the addition of, of Jake Bobo from Duke, mm-hmm. a little bit of veteran leadership in some way, older leadership, solid hands, put up 74 receptions for nearly 800 yards, only one touchdown though in that Duke offense. So kind of getting an upgrade here with the quarterback. Have you seen much from him yet? Who was that again? Sorry, cut out a bit. Uh, From Duke, Jake Bobo. He was inserted with, you know, with the ones. So I can imagine, and especially with him getting a lot of uh, uh, preseason accolades. uh, Mm -hmm. You know, he was one of the top performers in the ACC, not just Duke, but in the ACC last year. Uh, and he looked really good. He looked like he was transitioning seamlessly uh, with, with the offense and connecting with uh, DTR, you know, uh, you know, pretty effortlessly. Yeah. Uh, as far as the offensive line goes, I know that you got to speak with John Gaines recently. How I know you said kind of eh on both USC and UCLA's offensive line, but what are your thoughts on it? You know, after talking to him at Pac-12 Media Day, he made me feel better. Like, I asked him, you know, you lost uh, Justin Fry, your, your offensive line coach, and you lost two uh, tackles. Uh, you lost a guard in, in, in um, uh, uh, Paul Groton. You know, what's it going to be like? And he just looked, you know, right in my eyes and said, seamless. It'll be a seamless transition. And he noted that uh, Tim Dreveno, the new offensive line coach, he was there last year, so he knows what's up. He was there with uh, Justin Fry. He knows the guys. So, um, And John Gaines is a very smart, well-spoken uh, gentleman. And I, I, have, I, I can't do anything but believe him. You know, he, he's, he's, you know, in the uh, OL you know, room with all of his guys. He, he made me feel a little bit better about that. Obviously, I still have, you know, question marks because you really, it's going to be really hard to replace Alec Anderson uh, and Sean Ryan. But I, I felt better about the offensive line after talking to him last Friday. Yeah, and a loss, Sean Ryan, to the Packers, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so love that UCLA Packers pipeline. But <laughs> I want to ask you, of course, about the win total here because 
Bet Rivers for a long time had this at eight. I think it's shifted up to eight and a half now. So you can't get that push option anymore. But you're getting even money more or less on either side in terms of the juice, I should say, not even money. Yeah. But eight and a half is the number. So is UCLA going to get those nine wins? And everybody points the finger to the favorable schedule. So we can take a look at this here. I mean, starting at, or against Bowling Green on September 3rd, they host Alabama State. They host South Alabama. Sounds like all very winnable, obviously. Then UCLA at Colorado to kick off the Pac-12 play. Oh man, Pac-12. We're not going to be able to say that much longer. So sad. And then Washington at UCLA. And then Utah, the big test on October 8th. So just look Looking at this schedule and hearing that number, do you think UCLA is capable of going over that eight and a half win total? I do. You know, I feared that it would be like 9.5. And I think actually that would be the, the tough one. And I think I still would. Oh, interesting. I, I think I still would go with 10 wins uh, specifically because, like you said, the schedule is, you know, tissue soft. Uh, mm. the, if they do not start 3-0 and this season. I don't have much hope for the rest of the season, so they should. But, you know, 8.5, when I saw that, I was like, oh, I, I would take that bet because I think UCLA could definitely get 9 uh, or 10 wins because UCLA was 8-4 and four last season. They need to do better, especially with that. You know, they, they as you said, they lose a lot of players, but that schedule, man. And you still have, you know, a core of, uh, you know, really good – experienced players that have been here three, four, five years, you know, with like Casimir Allen, DTR, Charbonnet, like you said. Um, so yeah, it, I, I would definitely say that nine, nine wins is a, is a must. Yeah. How do you think they're going to fare against these teams that are above them in the odds to win the Pac-12? Like when they host Utah on October 8th, they're at Oregon right after that. Uh, and then later on, of course, they have USC at UCLA, which is great because I hate going to the Coliseum. So. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I'll say that uh, that's good about that is that their food for the media is actually pretty good. They had some vegan food okay. for me last time. I was well, like, they can afford oh. it. Yeah, uh, I think the only, the only vegan food that uh, the Rose Bowl has is uh, French fries. So I'm like, I got to talk to Martin Jarman about that in the you Rose Bowl. Step that up. <laughs> yeah, I do. I know we got some <laughs> vegan Bruins out there. <laughs> exactly. I mean, come on, this is California. Um, but you know what? I was actually shocked to see what it was minus three for UCLA against Utah, right? I think it was, yeah, minus two and a half for Utah. Um, so UCLA's getting oh, for two Utah. and a half points okay. here. So, I mean, I would expect that maybe um, six points in favor of uh, Utah, but I saw that and I was like, oh, okay, well, that's favorable. So you like Utah minus two and a half here. <laughs> you think it's yeah. going to be a rough one for UCLA. Yeah. Uh, well, see, all of these... All these people that are way smarter than than me, you know, you and, and, and all of the people in the betting world are much smarter not than me. True. This is why I do not bet because do not <laughs> do not. Take I agree my with advice. you. Like that could be um, that could be much higher than two and a half, and I think that that's going to be a line that changes once the season gets going. So it's probably yeah. a good one to get out in front of, and it's up on Bet Rivers now. Like we said, Utah minus two and a half, so maybe we're yeah. to look. Exactly, especially because I, I forgot at the time when I saw it, I was like, where are they playing? And it's at the Rose Bowl, so I'm like, okay, I think it would be a, a little bit higher if it was. Uh, at Rice Eccles, but uh, yeah, then I saw the Oregon one, and oh my God, the the the, the, con the, the conference is uh, really given it to UCLA in the last few years. There's been like a block or two two or three games where it's like, yeah, these are the two or three toughest teams in the conference. So good luck. <laughs> so yeah, might as well get it out of the way. But Oregon, I, you know, I guess I could kind of see that, especially with the turnover. But 
yeah, I, I would not know what to bet on that one. I would probably go Oregon on that one. Yeah. Well, for an, you can tell we're in LA. There's always sirens in the background. Of oh yeah, house. sorry. Uh, <laughs> you can tell we are in the thick of it. Mike is hard on the trail covering the Bruins, but <laughs> this is this is like making me like panic about this Oregon UCLA line right now. But what I will say. Four and a half is a terrible number in football, obviously. It's not one that I'm excited to bet. You could maybe throw this in something like a six-point teaser. I hate doing teasers yeah. with college football even. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this this Utah line is a lot more interesting to me. Definitely Utah minus two and a half, possibly. And that's coming from two people who who really love the Bruins. We love them, but we're trying to make money here. The other one that's so crazy, of <laughs> course, is Bowling Green at UCLA. 26. UCLA laying 26. What do you think the chances are of them winning by more than 26 points? I, I honestly think it's pretty good. I just really? think, I just okay. think the offense, it's, it, you know, it's and nothing to belittle um, Bowling Green and South Alabama and Alabama State, but those are some really... They know what they're getting into. They do. I mean, though, I, I, I was looking at it. I think, uh, what was it, ESPN's uh, rankings, all three of them are sub-100. Um, in, yeah. in, in their rankings and just looking at what their offense and defense can do. Like, I honestly, I, I was actually thinking about it today. I'm like, well, what would I predict this game? Just like, just right now from what I know. And I don't know, I had something like floating around like 50 to 14, 56 to 14. So I think it's possible. So over 57 and a half points then. Cause I, I, I agree. Yeah. Maybe look to an over. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, but that number is out of control. I'm so pleased, though, that you're really into the over eight and a half because that has been the debate. People have been back and forth. And I think, unfortunately, it's UCLA fans that are very shy to want to say that UCLA is going to go over this eight and a half wins. And it's actually outside media who maybe are not locally covering this team or don't follow this team regularly that are higher on the Bruins. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's weird, too, because it's like, like you said, you know, USC is like what? 20 to 1 for the national title i'm like come on okay uh disrespectful i'm, I'm not taking i'm not taking that bet but <laughs> but at the same time you know the there are people not from the region from from the area that i have had favorable um i i agreed with their assessment of both ucla and usc just you know yeah. like pac 12 people like you and me we watch those games you know religiously so we know what uh, both teams uh, have in their arsenal, and yeah, you can you can tell the the the, the critics that really know what they're talking about, and some that are just kind of like, oh well, Lincoln Riley's at USC; they're going to go twelve and zero. It's like first year head coach. Who cares? Look at all the shiny things he has. I know that's. I, I'd love to be like on that train just because it would be fun. Like they have a lot of fun playmakers, but mm-hmm. uh, their total, I think nine, nine and a half at most spots. Do you think USC is getting 10 wins this this season? You know, that one is a tougher one. I don't think right? so, but you know, I, I lean under there. It's it's just the defense. We're such it, homers over yeah. on the UCLA under on the USC. <laughs> yeah. But you know, <laughs> Hey, the odds makers did it to themselves. So yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. I love it. And uh, I appreciate you making the time. I know that you are busy, busy, busy covering the Bruins right now. So appreciate you. And as always, people can find you on Twitter at Mike Regalado LA on Bruin Report Online and the What's Bruin show as well. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you very much. And uh, talk to you later. Yeah, sounds good. And stick with us because coming up next, we're going to talk about the WNBA. We have games to preview right here on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. 
Baseball is here, and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every Saturday throughout the season. Place a three-leg same-game parlay of at least $25, and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same-game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to make your perfect combo. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the Bet Rivers app or go to BetRivers.com. Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Just Danielle Avari here today to talk to you about some WNBA action going on on Wednesday, but lots of great guests lined up in the coming week so that I don't have to just talk to myself like a crazy person. But hopefully you're listening on the other end. Fever at Dream on Wednesday, 4 p.m. Pacific time, but don't worry, there's another 4 p.m. game. You know how they like to schedule those on top of each other. There were three 4 p.m. games on Tuesday out of the four games that were being played. Why? Let's just, but maybe why? Let's ask that. Nevertheless, let's talk about this first 4 p.m. Pacific time game. Fever at Dream. Dream minus eight and a half. Total sitting at 162. Oh, the beloved baby fever. They had a little spark at the start of the season. They had those four first round picks and we thought, yes, we're going to go in the right direction. And it just, the wheels fell off at the end of the season because frankly, the talent was just too high in the WNBA and the fever are just too young right now, but they're going in the right direction. And we, we cheer for the fever. They have lost 14 straight. Last win was, believe it or not, versus the Chicago Sky, Dana Wataya, who's a lovely friend to the show and great guest, great handicapper, was uh, very excited to point this out on Tuesday morning before the Wings ended up beating the Sky. Still not over that. And uh, the fever have been tricky because they will continue to... Well, first of all, they'll do things like beat the Sky and then lose 14 straight. That's weird. And also... They've covered only two of their last seven, but they're also the team you don't want to bet against in a fourth quarter because other teams will be up by so much. We're seeing point spreads 10, 15, 17 sometimes against the Fever, and they will fight against your backups. They will come in and mess around and try to get a cover, and it hasn't been as successful lately, two of their last seven, and that's against a variety of different opponents, you know, opponents towards the top of the board and towards the bottom. It's just it's just not not there for the Fever this year. They lost all three versus the Dream this season. Their most recent was June 5th at Atlanta. 75-66 to 66 Dream win. So the Dream win by nine. Cover as six and a half point favorites. Now we're seeing eight and a half for this game. I think this has gotten a little too high. The Dream are missing a lot of key players. We talk about who's out. No Tiffany Hayes, Asia Durr, no Monique Billings, no Nia Coffey. That's been the case, but Tiffany Hayes is an especially big hit for how much she contributes to the box score. And then the Fever, no Kelsey Mitchell. So the thing about these two teams is they will play fast. They will take a ton of shots. Will they go in is the question. Uh, The defense, which is something that we talked about so highly with the Dream at the start of the season, I don't expect to really be there. The Dream have done a good job of containing the Fever in the past. And the Dream are still playing for playoffs. The Fever are so far out of that race, it's not even funny. They win five games this season. So the Dream are at least still playing for something. They're still in that 12-win mix-up with the rest of the other 12-win teams in there. New York, the the, uh, Sparks, there's a bunch of teams just in that scrum, if you will. So this could be a mess. I like Dream somewhere like closer to minus 6.5 like it was in the last game. Not so much at 8.5, even though... I mean, I believe it was uh, Calvin Wetzel, who's also a great friend and guest of the show, who reached out to me and said, 
what do you think of Fever at Dream as soon as the line came up on Tuesday? And I said, well, you have to go Dream, right? So my initial gut was, yeah, Dream minus eight and a half, but the Fever are just so feisty, and I don't like to bet against or in games with these two teams that I don't really trust to get this done for me. This is a live situation, if anything, for me, and that's if anything, because it's not like I'm like, oh, the Dream went down, but they'll come back. They always do. Not really. They do always beat the Fever, at least so far this season, so keep that in mind. I lean under here. The total's at 162-ish. I'm sure it's going to move because we love that closing line value in the WNBA. But the dream is missing Tiffany Hayes, uh, Asia Durr, you know the list. And I just think that 162 is going to be pretty on the money, priced right. But if I had to pick, I would lean a little bit under here. Uh, could be a mess, though. Could just be fouling and fast and who knows. So could be chaos. Love that this time of the year. That said, this is a pass for me. Let's move on to the other 4 p.m. game. Wait, we've already seen this. Deja vu. Sparks at Liberty. I always, I, When I see this, I'm always like, wait, what? And then I'm like, no, no, the schedulers really did that because I think that I'm messing up. I'm like, oh, no, Sparks at Liberty. We saw that on Tuesday. The Liberty won 102-73. to 73. That overcash, the total is 162. And that was my first bet I made on Tuesday. I looked at the board. Is there any value? That was the first one that jumped out to me. That's the one I liked the best. I also ended up adding Aces Mystics under 165. That came home. That was great. Wanted to get in on the Mystics live. The Aces offense is going to let you do that. So instead of taking a Mystics three and a half pregame, plus three and a half, I got them plus five and a half. Wouldn't have mattered either way because they ended up winning the game straight up. But I liked that five and a half better than a three and a half. So all of that played out really nicely. The Liberty blew me out of the water here. I did not expect them to beat on, on the Sparks this badly. This is a great big win for them. They've had two big wins, really. They've only played twice this season. The other time it landed the total at like 158. And the game on Tuesday was a 162. Now we're seeing the total up to 165 and a half on a back-to-back. -back. You know? Like, what? So, anyways... I don't know why the total would go up by three and a half points, even though we had that explosive game on Tuesday night, just because it is a back-to-back -back game. And, and I will say in the WNBA, it doesn't seem as prevalent as with the NBA, where these back-to-back -back unders happen. If a team is playing in a back-to-back -back game, you think um, maybe the legs are going to be tired, etc. So it would even be worth watching like in the second half, maybe, if you see that's where the fatigue starts to kick in and maybe you get a, a second half under or things of that nature. Um but I, I lean under on this one, even though we saw this go way over, obviously. And, and frankly, because we saw this go way over on Tuesday. Also, Katie Lou Samuelson, woof. Oh, six from three for the Sparks. Uh, Shanae Ogumike left the game, got hurt, collided with Rebecca Allen. Neither of them returned. She's listed as questionable for tomorrow. That's Shanae, of course. So the Sparks are going to be hurting worse than they were the day before. So, of course, you have to look Liberty here, I think. I believe this was around Sparks plus four. It moved maybe five, five and a half or so on Tuesday's game. For Wednesday's game, Liberty minus six. I bet you'll see movement up from there. I bet you it'll, it'll get higher than six. I would look Liberty here. Uh, again, they've won two huge games. They've covered three of their last four, and the one that they didn't cover pushed. They've been playing how they need to play to get into the playoffs. And now, before this game, they were 11 and... 11 and 18, I believe, and LA was 12 and 17. Now they're both 12 and 18. Both teams need this win bad. Uh, hopefully that means, again, fast points, fouling the works. But again, a back-to-back. -back. So this should be interesting. Lean New York to win again, of course. Just what are the Sparks going to do? 
Would love to bet the under because it's a back-to-back, but we will see about that. Maybe we'll get in on New York. Uh, as for the links of the Storm, Storm minus 6.5, total sitting at 160.5. This is the 7 p.m. game, the later game, if you will. Uh, the inverse records here, the 12 and 19 links straight up versus the 19 and 12 Storm. Throwback to the first game of the season for these teams. The Storm won both games this season. But the Lynx only lost by three on June 14th. And we know that the start of the season Lynx is a very different team than what we've been seeing as of late. And especially right around midseason, started to kick their butts into gear, which is very sad and frustrating because if they had only started a little bit earlier, we wouldn't be in this predicament where they're scrambling in for a playoff spot. And I just think, come on, do it for Sylvia. Do it for Sylvia Thousand, our last season. The Lynx do lead in rebounds per game in the league. That's going to be huge for them, those second chance opportunities. And again, they only lost by three on June 14th. For whatever reason, the Seattle Storm defense hasn't looked as tightened up as it needs to be. So I could see this going over. You're getting a total at 160 and a half. I get it. The Storm are definitely a team that's capable of slowing teams down. They have excellent defense when they want to, it seems. But the Lynx are a top four team in points per game, field goal percentage, offensive rating. The thing that's working against them is that Seattle is – the second team in defensive rating and 10th in pace. They're going to want to slow it down, at least for their liking. Um, but fortunately, the Storm are fifth and three-point percentage. They like to shoot those. The Lynx don't defend it well. So if we can get the Storm going from three and the Lynx are going to be battling for their playoff lives, Sylvia is going to be fighting for her playoff life, uh, I think that we could get actually a really good game here. I lean over and Lynx plus six and a half, and I think those are the bets that I actually like the best on the board. Um, even though the Storm have been rather cloudy for me this season, if you will. And on that, on that note, that bad pun, uh, I'm going to wrap things up there. And thank you for listening to the Los Angeles City Cast. And one last time, goodbye and good rest to the incom- incomparable Vin Scully. Uh, I was looking at Vin Scully quotes, of course, wanted to end with one. And I liked this one. It said, good is not good when better is expected. Thanks for listening. Come on back to the Los Angeles City Cast on Friday for more local LA action and WNBA, of course.